Turning your Bibles tonight to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We want to read beginning at verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whoever he be. Let's stop reading there and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your precious word. And... We thank you that you give us these opportunities to come together, to meet with you, and to allow you to speak to our hearts. And we pray that we would allow you to do that tonight, that we would sit at your feet for a few moments and do that which is needful which is to hear your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday night in our study here in Galatians uh, chapter 5, we began by looking at verse 4, and particularly Paul's words there at the end of that verse, you're fallen from grace. And we talked about how those words do not mean that you can lose your salvation. These people, as we read in chapter 1 and verse 6, have been called by God into the grace of Christ. Paul had preached the gospel of the grace of God to these people. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Listen to those words. They're words that we are so familiar with. Christ died. He was buried. He rose again. There is no works of the flesh in that at all. It's Christ and Christ alone. This is the message that Paul preached. And it's the message that these Galatians believed. It's the message that they received. It's the message in which they stood Paul said in Romans 4 and verse 16, Therefore it is of faith by grace to the end the promise might be sure. The promise might be sure. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no other ground on which the believer can stand. And it's in that grace and the liberty that it brings that Paul says to the Galatian believers here, and he says it to us in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And he says that because if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And so those words in verse 4, ye are fallen from grace, have to be understood in the context of verse 1. If you have liberty 
because the Son has made you free, then you cannot fall from the grace of God wherein you stand. You, can, you cannot lose the grace of God that bringeth salvation. But you can refuse to live in the light of it. You can refuse to live in the power of it. And the consequences of doing that, Paul tells us in verse 1, if you choose to live that way, it means that you're going to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage and you're going to live a miserable life. And we looked at people last week in the Old Testament who were living a miserable life because of what we're reading here in Galatians chapter 5. We looked at that Old Testament example last week in Numbers chapter 14. And we saw there the people of God, they've come to the border of the promised land. And Moses has sent 12 men. He sent one man from each tribe to go in and search out the land. And they've just come back from doing that. And two of the men, Joshua and Caleb, said, let us go up at once. Let's go possess it, for we're well able to overcome it because the Lord has given it to us. Let's claim his word. But the other men, the ten, brought up an evil report. And their evil report was just the opposite of Joshua and Caleb's report. They said, we aren't able to go up against the people that are there. They're stronger than we are. And we read there that when the congregation heard that, they lifted up their voice and wept. That's what we're talking about, living a miserable life. When you choose to not live in the light of the grace of God, they lifted up their voice and wept. They were in misery. And they said, were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And then they said one to another, let us make a captain and let's return to Egypt. Here are the people of God, people who saw the mighty power of God, people who were redeemed and delivered from the bondage of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. And here they are wanting to return to the land of Egypt to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The Passover lamb and and the sufficiency of his sacrifice was going to be of no effect to them. They were, as Paul tells the Galatians, falling from grace. They were still God's people, but they were leaving the grace of God and returning to the bondage of Egypt that they had already been delivered from. This is an Old Testament example of what these Galatian Christians were doing. They were not losing their salvation. They were leaving the grace of God and they were returning to the bondage that they had already been delivered from. But that's not the only connection that we talked about last week between Galatians 5 and Numbers 14. Look at verse 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I believe that's one of the most important verses in all the Word of God. 
for those of us who are saved. It's a very fearful verse. It's a, it's a verse that will shake us if we'll think about it. It doesn't take a lot of leaven to leaven the whole lump. It takes only a little and I think Paul demonstrates that, or illustrates that, I should say, in verse 10. Notice his words there in verse 10, about halfway through the verse. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. He and his and he. Singular words that suggests that the leaven of, that had come into the Galatian churches, the leaven of mixing law and grace that was spreading and leavening these churches in Galatia was introduced by one person. One person. He that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. That is a little leaven. And we saw that same thing demonstrated in the book of Numbers. We learned in Numbers chapter 1 that there were a total of 603,550 men in the camp of Israel from 20 years old and upward that were able to go to war. And we talked about how that number excludes the tribe of Levi it excludes women and children under the age of 20. And so if you factor in the women and children, uh, estimate at least, and the tribe of Levi, then it's not a stretch to say that there were about 2.4 million people in Israel. As we said last week, that would have been the whole lump. And we mentioned earlier the 12 men who had gone in and searched out the land. The two men, Joshua and Caleb, who believed God. The ten men that didn't, that brought back this evil report. And last week we read about the effect that these men had in Numbers chapter 14. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. All, there's that misery. There's that misery that comes when you're heading back and being entangled again with the yoke of bondage. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses. The whole congregation said, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. And it's the whole congregation that said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. These ten men were the leaven that leavened the whole lump. And the Lord tells us here just how little a little leaven is. And it's so important to see it. It's 10 men out of 2.4 million. It's four ten thousandths of 1%. It's an amount that is almost what we would describe as minuscule. But that little bit of leaven leavened the whole lump of the congregation of Israel. And we, we, we made a, a, an application of that to our day. We talked about the parable of 
the leaven in Matthew chapter 13, the fourth of the parables that the Lord Jesus gave concerning the kingdom of heaven. And, and we talked about its connection to the fourth church mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, the church in Thyatira. In the fourth parable, it is a woman that takes leaven and hides that leaven in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And in the fourth church, Thyatira, it is a woman by the name of Jezebel that takes leaven. And this leaven takes the form of teaching. It's important to think about that. It takes the form of teaching, teaching that seduces God's servants. And this church was corrupted by this leaven. And the Lord tells us there in Revelation chapter 2 how this leaven works, how it corrupts. He said in Revelation 2.20, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. And we talked last week about the importance of that word sufferest. It means to allow, to permit. It means to not restrain. In other words, the, the word sufferest means to tolerate. The way that leaven works, the way that leaven spreads in churches and ministries is that it is permitted, it's allowed, it's tolerated. From the time that it's introduced, it's not confronted, it's not removed, it's not purged out. That's how the leaven of, of other versions is introduced and has been introduced into churches and ministries. It's how the leaven of contemporary Christian music comes in to churches and ministries that once stood for the truth. Now... We've gone back and reviewed these things tonight because there was a point that we didn't have time to get to last week that is very critical. We said a few minutes ago that Galatians 5.9 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. One of the most important verses in the Bible for the people of God corporately and individually. And what we talked about last week and what we have reviewed so far tonight was the corporate application of this verse to the people of God. But equally important is the personal application. And that's what we want to think about for a few minutes. It only takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump of our spiritual lives. But how much is a little leaven in our lives? It's a good question. The little leaven in our lives, I want you to think about this, is as small as one thought. One thought. I want to read you something that I came across that... I thought was interesting, and it may be understated, but for the purpose of this message, we'll use it. 
A new study from psychologists at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, published in the journal Nature Communications. It was published July the 16th of 2020. Reports observations of the transition from one thought to another in MRI brain scans. The study passes... <laughs> like they could have done this. The study passes on figuring out what we think. They couldn't do that anyway, but they, they passed on that. Good for them. Focusing instead on the frequency of thought. That's what this study was designed to do. Consistent neurological signals identify the transitions between thoughts. MRI scans tracked participants' thoughts while they watched movies and when they were at rest. That method allowed them to count each thought, referred to as thought worms. <laughs> I thought that was kind of an interesting term. And this is the meat of what we want to think about. The team says that the average human has 6,200 thoughts per day. 6,200 thoughts per day. Now, I don't know how accurate this is. I read something else that said we're able to process 70,000 thoughts a day, but I, I don't think that was saying we have that many. But let's use this number. 6,200 thoughts per day. It has to be thought of in terms of Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. That verse tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Jeremiah answers that question. In the very next verse, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10, where the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart. He knows it. And in Mark chapter 7 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who searches, the one who discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart, the one who looks on the heart of every man, tells us the number one problem, the number one manifestation of our heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Mark chapter 7 and verse 9. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. How little can the leaven in our individual lives be? As little as one thought. Just one thought out of the 6,200 that we have every day. 0.016% of our thoughts is enough to leaven our whole spiritual life. I'd like for you to turn back, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 27. 1 Samuel 
chapter 27. We're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture here. We're going to look at language here in the Word of God that I believe defines one thought. One thought. 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse 1. And David said in his heart. David said in his heart. Folks, that is one thought. I believe that's the scriptural definition, if you will, of one thought. This is one thought that David had on this day. Out of the 6,200 thoughts that he had. And what was that one thought? Well, let's read it. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. By the way, he had just been delivered in chapter 26 out of the hand of Saul. And uh, David had gone his way. Saul had gone his way, returned to his place. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. This one thought that David had that day brought leaven to his life. It, took, it brought leaven into his life that took him away from the Lord to Gath, of all places, to the Philistines. And there in, in, in Gath, he sought the favor and he sought a place from Achish, the king of Gath. And, and there in that place, David lived... And he fought and he acted like the Philistines. He fought like Achish to the point that we read in chapter 27 and verse 12. And Achish believed David. David had gone in and destroyed and not left a single man or woman or child alive in the place where he had gone and fought. And Achish believed David, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. And in chapter 28, we see David on the side of the enemies of God. Look at verse 1 of chapter 28. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. And then if you look over at chapter 30, the city... We find in chapter 30 and verse 1 
that the city that Achish gave to David, a city by the name of Ziklag, the Amalekites came in and burned it with fire. And they took the wives and the sons and the daughters of David and his men. And we read in verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. And all of this leaven began with one thought. One thought. It began when David said in his heart. When he said in his heart. Back in chapter 27 and verse 1. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. And that one thought led to all of this leaven that we see in David's life. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you want to turn over there. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read in verse 2, how David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And David had a thought. He had a thought. Just one thought out of the 6,200 that he had on that day. And that thought was to send... And take this woman and bring her to himself. And think about what that one thought brought into David's life. It brought the leaven of adultery and murder. One thought. Look over at 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Well, let's stop at, at chapter 11, if you will. In this chapter, God has taken Jeroboam. And he's told him, if you look at verse 35... But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, that's Rehoboam, and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. Verse 37. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And in verse 38, the Lord tells Jeroboam, And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways and do that which is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. Now look at chapter 12 and verse 25. Then... Jeroboam built Shechem 
in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. Now look at verse 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Jeroboam said in his heart, there's that phrase again that I believe describes one thought. One thought out of the 6,200 that Jeroboam had on that day. And what was that thought? Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. In spite of everything that we just read that the Lord told Jeroboam, his one thought, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. And that thought led to another thought, verse 27. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And Jeroboam, that, that thought leads to another thought. Verse 28, whereupon, whereupon the king took counsel. Took counsel, another thought made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And Jeroboam turns from the Lord. He turns from the promises of God to rebellion and to the leaven of idolatry. And he never returns from it. He never returns from it. That one thought. I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking it too. It's just like Mr. Creech says. So often, and it can't be said enough, we are one thought away from disaster. And, 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 and Jeroboam not only takes himself into idolatry, he leads Israel into the leaven of idolatry to the point that becomes his identification. As we read about Jeroboam going forward, what do we read over and over and over again about him? Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. And that leaven, that leaven that began when Jeroboam said in his heart that one thought, that leaven characterizes the kings of Israel that followed Jeroboam down to the time of the captivity when the Assyrians came and took the ten northern tribes into captivity. And it all began with one thought. Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. A little leaven, as little as one thought, out of the 6,200 that we have every day, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And it's like that because of, of, of what we read in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart... As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And that church in Corinth has suffered. They have allowed, they have tolerated leaven in their midst. The leaven of fornication. As we read about in verse 1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. But what he says here, and, this, and the reason that we've come here, we've, we've been talking about uh, last week and we reviewed this week the collective application of um, th- th- this critical truth, a little leaven, leaven if the whole lump, but, but we've come here to see the personal application. That's why we're here. Look at verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This is exactly what Paul says in Galatians 5 and verse 9. It, that, this little phrase is found twice in the New Testament. The Spirit of God says it twice. He says it here in um, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. He says it in Galatians 5 and verse 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now look at verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. Now think about that. This is one of the verses that teaches us about our standing in Christ and our state in the world. Paul tells us here that when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are a new lump. We're a new lump. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new lump, if you will. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So when we trust the Lord Jesus as our Savior, we're a new lump. We are unleavened. That's our standing in Christ. That's how he sees us. But we still have this old nature. And how do we know that? Because what is the first thing he says in verse 7? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. We're thinking about the personal message here to every believer. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. The old leaven that is as little, that is as small, that is as minuscule in our lives as one thought. We're to purge it out. We're to purge it out. We think, okay, that sounds great. How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Brother Jim preached an excellent message Wednesday night about how to do it. It's called living the crucified life. He preached that message from Galatians 2.20. One of the most familiar verses probably to people in this church is any verse in the Bible, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So how are we going to purge out the old leaven, this leaven that can be as small as one thought? We're going to reckon ourselves to be dead. We're going to be crucified with Christ. Reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when we do that, it allows us, in the, not in our strength. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. When we reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. When we see ourselves as crucified with Christ, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. When we reckon on that, it allows us in the power of the Spirit of God to have happen in our lives what we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like for you to turn over there, if you will. It allows to happen in our lives by the power of God, not our power. What we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where's the strongest stronghold that we have? It's in our minds. It's where it is. Verse 5. Casting down imaginations... And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and listen, and bringing into captivity every thought, all 6,200 of them, every day, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is how we purge out the old leaven. This is how we live in this world as a new lump, as we are unleavened, a life that will be to the praise and the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, a life that will be a blessing to him, a life that will be a blessing to the people around us. A little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Incredible words with application that covers corporately, covers the body of believers in this church, and yet at the same time speaks to each one of us individually. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the words that we've read tonight, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. And we thank you for allowing us to see how that ties back to our thoughts and how we can see in the lives of, of people here in this book the difference that one thought, the leaven that one thought has brought into their lives. We pray that in the light of that, we would understand the need to every day, every moment of every day, to purge out the old leaven. To see ourselves as crucified with Christ, reckoned dead indeed unto sin. 
purge out the old leaven that we might be a new lump as we are unleavened. We pray that you would take these things and, and use them in our hearts tonight and in the days ahead. And we ask it in Jesus' name.